Well, um, without further ado, we're preaching, um, I'm, I'm preaching from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 5 through 7, and um, the, the title is Be Humble or Else. There's, uh, there's a bit of sarcasm in there, uh, but there is a warning that, that Peter has given us in, uh, in verse 5, which we'll get into. Um, but before I read the scripture, um, and as you're opening up your Bible to 1 Peter 5, recall that last week... Uh, you went over the first four verses of verse five where Peter is exhorting and encouraging uh, the elders in, in these churches to, um, to lead well, to lead humbly, and for the members to, to follow well, to follow humbly. Um, and we're, we're following on the tail of that as we read our passage. So please stand with me as I read First Peter 5, 5 through 7. Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him, because he cares for you. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us. Oh Lord, our God, you've already declared in this service this morning that you are gentle, you are lowly, you are humble of heart, even though you are the Lord over all things, the creator of all. And we thank you for providing humble shepherds like Peter here and like our elders at Mercy to teach your word to us and to exemplify for us true humility. Lord, help us to respond to you with humility, with contrite hearts, and I pray this morning as I bring the word that you would guide me and direct me and that you would, um, that you would encourage this congregation by the words. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. When I was in college, um, I, I worked part-time to help pay for tuition, um, and, and part-time was about 25 to, to 30 hours a week. Um, I was at Liberty, so I was there from 2010 to 2014, and the whole time I was also working at Jersey Mike Subs. Many of you remember seeing me in that, that hat and that, that gear. Um, while I was there, uh, actually, as soon as they offered me the job, I knew, I knew from the first day I wanted to be a shift leader. I had already been in food service before, and so I thought that I was well prepared for the responsibilities that come with shift leader. Well, after about a year and a half of part-time work and full-time studenting, uh, they offered the, the position to me. I was promoted, and, and finally... I was a big shot. You know, people would listen to me now, now that I had the title, now that I had, you know, the, the lapel. Um, and it didn't work that way. My bosses uh, would, would warn me, no, it's, it's not about the title. You can be a bad boss and people still won't listen to you. Uh, it's about influence. It's not about, uh, it's not about the title. Well, to some degree I listened, but um, it turns out that doing 
full-time studenting, being a full-time student and having the responsibilities of a shift leader uh, while working 20, 30 hours uh, at, at a job is very difficult to balance. Uh, and it happened that after a few months of this juggling, I was demoted back to general employee. That was humiliating. I felt like a failure. There, I, I entered into a depressive state for a while. I felt like I couldn't do anything right, and I, I wanted to leave. You know, all my peers know this story now, that this guy who thought he was a big shot, now it's just one of us again. Um, well, after much time, maturity, uh, listening, actually listening to my bosses, and uh, they were good bosses, they were strict, but they, they taught me well. Uh, eventually, I did become a shift leader again uh, around my last year of college. And, uh, and then even after I graduated, I become, became a manager. This is uh, this theme, pride, humiliation, humility, exaltation. That's a theme that we'll be, uh, we'll be discovering, we'll be going over today. And it's a theme that, um, that Peter brings us through in verses 5 through 7 here. Uh, maybe a theme that many of you are familiar with, too. But before we get into this conversation about pride and humility, let's talk about, let's, let's define humility. Many of you are probably familiar with C.S. Lewis's definition of humility, which is that humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. It's not self-pity, self-pity is just the other side of the coin, coin of arrogance, right? Arrogance and self-pity are both all about me. Lewis says, no, it's not, it's not about me, it's about, it's about others. It's less about me. I think that, that gets to one element. I think that gets to the horizontal element of humility. But there's also a vertical element of humility, isn't there? C.J. Mahaney, one of the leaders of the Sovereign Grace Ministries movement and a, a, a lead pastor for decades, uh, he defined humility in his book entitled Humility. He said this, humility is honestly assess assessing ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. So which is it? Is, it, is it? is humility about me? Is humility about others? Is humility about God? Well, I would propose that it's all. It's all of the above. And I would propose this definition to you. Humility is a proper perception of God, which informs a realistic perception of self, and which motivates one to put others' interests first. A proper perception of God, which informs a proper perception of self, and motivates us to uh, put others' interests before our own. Well, you know Peter's story. Peter was uh, the man, the head apostle, uh, the chief apostle, some thought, the, the spokesman of the, of the disciples and the apostles. And, um, and he denied Christ, didn't he? He was, he was a, a big shot, just like I was at Jersey Mike's. Uh, and then after he denied Christ... Well, there's, there's some humiliation for you. But he was humbled, he repented, and, and the Lord forgave him and exalted him to the point of, uh, to the role of, a, of an elder. Um, that's, our, that's our first point, Peter's example of humility. And that's, that's all I'm giving you for the first point. We're going to move right on to the second point. Peter gives us here, in verses 5 through 7, uh, our context for humility. So that's our second point. What's the context for humility? Where does humility take place? Well, Peter argues in, verses, in verse 5 
that it's right here in the context of the church. Read along with me in, in verse 5. He says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. We'll stop there. That's the context. That's the immediate context Peter gives us for humility. It takes place among the brothers and sisters of Christ. And there's two dynamics. There's the elder member dynamic in which elders are to submit humbly to their, I mean, uh, members are to, to submit humbly to the, to the elders. But there's also uh, a member-to-member humility. We are to submit to each other. The word submission is, is kind of a, a buzzword, a negative buzzword, and it leaves a bad taste in our mouths uh, culturally, in, in the cultural um, uh, modern age. But even in the workforce, if you have a good boss, a humble boss who cares about you and who, who really is on your side, tries to get you your raises when it's time and um, tries to, to be kind to you in all sorts of situations, well, that's someone you'd, you're happy to work for, isn't it? It, it should be the same thing for, for our elders. If our elders are obeying the commands that we heard about last week that Peter gives in verses 1 through 5, well, that's someone easy to submit to, isn't it? And I think that's what we have here at Mercy as well. Uh, but then there's also the member-to-member submission. Paul calls it in Ephesians 5, call, Paul calls it mutual submission. Submit to one another out of love. Um, and I, the first example I think of, of for that is the church in Acts 2. When the church is just getting off the ground, um, you hear that all who believed were together and had all things in common. Right? They even sold their belongings and their possessions and took that money and distributed it among any who had need. Isn't that humility? I believe uh, humility is the lifeblood of the church. It's the fuel that makes the engine go. And I think mercy has, has really exemplified this over the years. And that's why, that's, why, um, that's why we've maintained our membership here. Uh, what we've experienced... Uh, is humility over the last 10 years with you guys. And it's beautiful to see in a church. Now there's another context that Peter gives here in the next part of verse 5, and that's the member to God context, the member to God dynamic. He says, for God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So while the first context that he gives is the church, the fundamental context that he gives is actually our relationship with God. However, we see God is what informs our humility toward one another, isn't it? We are the creatures. We're under the authority of our creator, and how we, how we view him impacts how we view each other, because we are all under the mighty hand of God. Now, there's a warning here, and, and the question is whether you're going to heed that warning or not. That, that's our third point. It's your choice. Humility or humiliation. That's, that's what Peter, those are the options that Peter gives you. Which one will you choose? Well, we know that, that this is also a resounding theme in, in the rest of the scriptures, not just in, in Peter's letter. We see, uh, actually, this is a quote from Proverbs 3, which says, Toward the scorners, he is scornful, he God, but to the humble, he gives favor. There are other Proverbs I'm sure you're familiar with. Humility goes before honor. Maybe a more familiar one, pride goes before the 
fall, right? It's a concept we're familiar with, and there's a reason for that. But it's not just in wise sayings or proverbs that the Bible brings this concept of humility to us. It's actually, there are several examples in the scripture, aren't there? We uh, investigated one in our Old Testament reading with, uh, in Daniel 4 with Nebuchadnezzar, right? He was, he was the most prosperous king uh, for centuries to come. He was the most prosperous king with the greatest kingdom, but he took pride and he took the credit all to himself. And what did the Lord do in his pride? He humbled him. He demoted him with the status of an ox grazing on grass until the Lord restored to him his reason. And at that point, Nebuchadnezzar repented, right? He gave glory to God. And then what did God do in response? Exalted Nebuchadnezzar to a status that was higher than, than he had before. Pride, humiliation, humility, exaltation. Another story I'm sure you know familiar, uh, that, you're, that you know well and you're familiar with is the story of David and Bathsheba. After this sermon, we'll be singing Psalm 51 together, which is a recall to this situation of adultery. You know David was one of the greatest, if not the most ideal king of Israel because of his conquests, but also because he was a man after God's own heart, right? But in this one situation, he committed adultery with someone else's wife, he took her as his own, and then he killed the man. And did he repent? No. Not until God sent the prophet Nathan to him to tell him his story, at which point he repented and he realized it should have been me that died, not Bathsheba's husband. Pride, humiliation, humility. And who was it who followed him to the throne? Who was the next son on the throne? It was Bathsheba's son, wasn't it? Exaltation. This is the mighty hand of God at work, inflicting humiliation on the proud and exaltation on the humble. There's a third story, Peter, you know that well, we've already gone through that a little bit, but wasn't it Peter who boasted, Lord, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And then what did he do soon after? Three denials and then the rooster crowed. What did Peter do? Wept bitterly. Humiliation. But thankfully in his instance, the resurrected Savior came and offered him a second chance to affirm his love for him three times. And later exalted Peter to the status of an elder, ordained elder, taking care of the flock, tending the sheep. Pride. Humiliation, humility, exaltation. Well, what about you? What's your story? What's your struggle with pride? How do you deal with trying to be humble? Are you afraid that maybe uh, a rude awakening is coming for you? Maybe you've been pride and, and you don't, prideful and you don't know about it. Um, maybe the Lord is ready to oppose you right now. Are you afraid of that? I know that I am. Massive public failure and humiliation scares me to death. But it's important to know that Peter gives us one warning to help us not fall into this state. He says, Humbling your, humble yourselves, therefore, in verse 6, right? Humble yourselves, therefore, 
under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he might exalt you. Peter wants your exaltation, not God's opposition against you. So he gives you this warning. Humble yourselves. He tells you how to do that. Cast your anxieties on him. In verse 7, wasn't that the issue with Nebuchadnezzar, David, Peter? They didn't bring their issues. They didn't bring their pride before the Lord. They didn't cast their, their troubles on him. They didn't give credit to God. But also, it's important to note, if you are afraid of a potential rude awakening coming your way, it's important to know in all these three stories, the Lord utilized humiliation actually to draw these men back to him, didn't he? Humiliation, in that instance then, might actually be the best medicine. Humble yourselves first. That's, that's the warning. Please, humble yourselves. But recognize, too, that if the Lord loves you, he will discipline you. He will, and humiliation might, might come. But it will come for the sake of reconciliation with your father. Now, fear of humiliation, though, should not be our primary motive for being humble, should it? There's a fourth story which indicates for us uh, the motivation, the true motivation for humility, what it ought to be, and that's our fourth point. Uh, There was another man who, by all the Bible standards, was the most humble man there ever was. And yet, despite his humility, God opposed him. Isaiah 53 says that God was pleased to crush him. That by the sufferings of this righteous one, this humble one, he might make many others righteous. I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. The most humble man in the Bible is Jesus Christ. And this great reversal of humiliation coming to the humble actually brings about exaltation to the proud. You could swap Peter's saying here, the adjectives in this proverb, to God opposed the humble in order that he might exalt the proud. Or in Romans 5 terms, God opposed his son, his beloved son, in order that he might exalt sinners, enemies like you and I. This is not unrepentant proud. This is not unrepentant enemies. No, it's those who would eventually humble themselves before his mighty hand and who would come to him. But Jesus took the opposition that was coming our way, and it was a cosmic, eternal humiliation that was coming for us because, let's face it, we can't be perfectly humble, can we? And we struggle with pride every day. Wasn't that the first sin of Adam and Eve? Putting themselves in the place of God. I know how to do it my way. Taking control like Nebuchadnezzar, David, Peter. But the Lord knew if if he had let us continue in our ways, humiliation would come for us all. So instead, he put himself in front of the humiliation that was coming toward us. And the most perfect, humble man took took our opposition in order that the exaltation which was due to him would actually come to us, those who believe. Exaltation to us. 
what is exaltation? In, in each of these instances that we've seen with Nebuchadnezzar, David, and Peter, exaltation looks kind of, you know, world, worldly. The, the um, exaltation of kingship, uh, exaltation of Solomon on the throne, Peter becoming an elder. But isn't there more to exaltation? Yes, there is. It's a perfection, a completion, a communion with God. I think that actually is the exaltation, right? Being with God. That's how he created us. That's what we were made for, communion with him. And that's what he gives us in sending his son to take the curse that we deserved. Why would the ruler of the universe do that? Why would the king of all kings lay aside his his dignity and take on the form of a servant? That's the answer to our question. What's the motivation for his humility? It's at the end of verse 7. Because he cares for you. It's because he cares for you. It's because the God of the universe chose to set his affections on a people. And to fulfill the purpose of that people by making them complete in him. He wants that for you. Pride tears that apart. Humility puts that back together. Humility before God. Do you believe that God cares for you? Sometimes that's hard to believe. Do you believe that the sovereign king who made everything you see and experience came down to dip his hands in the mud, to die a painful, cursed death, to take on the opposition you deserve for your pride, and to give you instead the exaltation, the glory that comes with, from his humility. Do you believe that? I think what I found in my own story is that when my faith is shaky, so is my humility. When my relationship with God is shaky, so is my relationship with other people. I think that's why in verse 12, later on here, we didn't cover this in our reading, but Peter says, this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. And why would he give that command other than there would be temptations not to, not to stand firm in it? So our fifth point is that the key to humility is faith. Do we believe that God truly is the sovereign ruler over all things? Do we truly believe that he humbled himself even though he was in that status? If we do, then no matter what our status, we, can, we too can be humble toward others. If we don't believe that God is in control, if we don't believe that he works out all, good, all things to the good of those who loves him, love him, then we will try to take control of our own circumstances, won't we? We'll try to pad our finances, health care, investments, protect all your possessions, because if you don't, no one else will. But if you do believe that God's in control, if you do believe that God works all things together for those who love him, well, then you can actually lay aside your wants and needs for the sake of someone else's. Because you know that when you spend your full attention on this person, God's got your back. And more than that, your church has your back too. And so the economy of the church works out. 
better assurance can we ask for than the care of God on our side? If you're here today and you don't know that tender care of the Father, well, ask him to show you. He promises in his word that where two or three are gathered, he's here. And so he's here. Ask him to show you his humility, his care, that you might learn from him. He's also here in your word, in the Bible. If you want to get to know him, he's here. If you want to know that tender care, he's here. And if you want someone to help you through it, well, take out your insert. Look at the back of it. The elders, the deacons, the ministry leaders. Choose an email and ask them about it. They are ready and willing to talk with you about their Lord and Savior. That's if you don't know him, if you don't know his tender care. If you do know his tender care, but like me, often struggle to feel it. Like me, often struggle to believe it. Well, Peter gives us his recommendation in verse 6, and this is where I'll end today, giving you the same recommendation. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time he might exalt you, casting your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Let me pray for us. Oh, Father, we thank you that despite our pride and inability to come before you, your throne uh, humbly, that you have laid yourself low on our behalf, that you have perfectly been humble in our place, so that at the proper time, we might be exalted. We don't deserve this grace, Lord, but you've offered it to us. Help us to take advantage of it. Help us to take you up on it. And help us, Lord, to be humble, not to gain your favor, but because we already have your favor. And to be humble in, in a faithful response to you. We pray this for your glory and for the benefit of your church. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.